This that jumpman, 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 start like 23. Just that jumpman, 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 too full like OB. Just that jumpman, 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 shoot my shot, Dandy. This that jumpman, 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 right around swung my trees. This that jumpman, 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 start like 23. This that jumpman, 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 too full like OB. Just that jumpman, 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 shoot my shot, Dandy. Like Kobe. like Kobe, I'm the greatest ever do it, they don't know it Straight from the streets where the shots can't blow I came from the bottom where they hate to see you blow Mama always told me I'm a sad so I glow I came from the block where I stood 10 toes Came a long way, now I'm on the top floor What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of Turtles Take here on 1252 Sports Man, we have a great show lined up for you guys tonight We've got a special show, we're going to be talking some Chicago sports as always and then we're going to be talking a little bit about some events that are happening this weekend. We've got WrestleMania coming up, so we're going to touch on that for our wrestling fans out there. Uh, welcome everybody in. Thank you for joining us. A uh, little bit later on, we've got a big guest coming on the show, probably one of the biggest guests to this point on Turtles Take. We're going to have the D'Lo Brown joining us at 745, so make sure you stay tuned in for that. Uh, Vince, how are we doing tonight? Man, I'm great. You know, it, this show hits a little different when you know you got a big-ass guest like that coming on. Oh, absolutely. We got a lot of topics to talk about. We'll touch on what's going on here in the Chicago sports world the last few days, as well as get into some WrestleMania. I know you're eager to talk about some wrestling. Uh, with that said, not only do we have one of the biggest guests we've had on Turtles Take thus far, but we've got a special guest host joining us tonight. Our very own from Sport Court, Angelo Ace Camacho. Oh, hey, fellas. Thanks for What's having up, me Angelo? On. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing swell. How are you guys? I'm excited. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got... right. I'm a forewarn, y'all watchers out there. Uh, I might nerd out a little bit tonight. <laughs> I haven't really had a chance to talk wrestling much. When I first started the Sport Court podcast, one of my initial like big time topics was WrestleMania last year. So, I'm uh, I'm you know, going back to my roots, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I'm excited, man. You know, we we get to talk about Chicago sports all the time, but yep. you know, rarely do we get to actually just like you said nerd out a little bit and talk wrestling and who better do it with than D'Lo Brown? Like are you kidding me? Yeah, that's going to be cool. Uh D'Lo yeah. He had so much history in WWE, you know what I mean? Yeah. From where he started, who he's been, uh, rest, who's he, who he's wrestled, uh, mm. championships, all that kind of stuff. Just so like such cool a to get prominent, some, uh, inside even knowledge. without having a prominent role, just being a guy that everybody was like, oh, D'Lo Brown, head shape, yeah. D'Lo Brown, you know, the head shape. everything. I'm pretty, sure, you know? I'm pretty sure that's trademarked, so you can't, we got to watch it. I can't yeah, afford I, to pay I think, for I, I think we could each do one. I think that was the rule. 
That was what he was giving us. Was <laughs> but no, I'm I might excited. ask him. I might ask him to do a head shake for us before oh, he leaves. He has to. Come on. What? What does he want to have him on if he doesn't do a head shake? Yep. Yep. I get. Yeah. I'm, I'll ask him. I'm cool with that. Man, I posted the the flyer and I had friends Facetiming me and I was like, "What? Did you do this by accident? You never Facetime me." And I answered the phone and they're head shaking. And I'm like, "Really?" And they're like, "D'Lo Brown. That's awesome." <laughs> Oh, absolutely. He's going to be a huge guest for us here. We're lucky to have him on. And what better time than WrestleMania to bring a guy like D'Lo on? Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, with the, you know, they're finally going to get some fans back with 25,000 each night. I mean, to go yeah, from no, be cool. 25,000 fans is huge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think, and I don't know about you, little... Vince. I don't know about you, Vince, but like when COVID first started, watching wrestling without the fans just, wasn't the same no not at all i was like this isn't gonna work like you can hear them you can hear them talk you can hear them do certain things like it just this doesn't work but well, they've gotten, they gotten better and better every every night and you know as they've the thunderdome is gone from stage to stage to stage and now they're at tropicana field and then they're moving somewhere else now to to get over there to was that raymond james or whatever yeah raymond james yeah, the Tampa, the Bucks play, and not only did they see a Super Bowl, but they're about to right. see a WrestleMania. That's a that's a pretty lucky stadium. What the hell? Yeah, well, you know, because that's where it was supposed to be last year, right? So right. then, when COVID happened, everything it got moved to the Performance Center, and I give I give them mad credit. I didn't think they could pull off a WrestleMania at the Performance Center, but they did. They figured it out, and you know, it wasn't the same, but right. WrestleMania is WrestleMania. You know, some of the I give the the you know all the performers a lot of credit for what they were able to do in such a you know, uncommon time. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you touched on it a little bit there. Right. Uh, with the no fans being in the stands, that added a whole different dynamic, and it really evolved the craft, I would say, because it it taught them how to be quieter, how to interact with each other a little bit differently than they had thus far. So, well, yeah, really, you, in the long run, it's made the sport better. Right, well, you didn't have the crowd to play off of, whether you're a face or a heel. You know, you do certain things, and half of what makes things great is the crowd reaction. You know, you think of things that happened, Triple H's return on Raw before Russ, or Royal Rumble and different guys' returns, different things, you know, heel turns when Seth Rollins turns on the shield, different things that happened. It was the crowd reaction that made it so great. It was the, oh, my God, did this really happen? You know, Brock Lesnar beating Undertaker. The crowd was silent. It was like that was part of the thing. Was Everybody was like, oh, my God. Is this real? Like, is that guy really hurt? Is it part of the show? And, you know, without that, now it's just, you know, just them. They're out there on an island, and it's like you've got to sell it. Right. That this is what everybody thinks it is. It's kind of like when we watch sports initially after they came back from COVID, right? Well, not from COVID, but during COVID, right? Where it was – you had to – fans bring that energy like in the NBA finals it, you still right. got that because they had those monitors and stuff like that but it's not the same the you know football games were still kind of weird without fans and, mm -hmm. and baseball definitely wasn't the same without it so it's it's going to be nice here to see fans coming back not just for WrestleMania but uh baseball's talking about hoping to have full stands NFL wants to have full stands sometime this year It'll be cool to, to hopefully get all that stuff back and kind of get back to some form of normal. Yeah, you know, they had Roger Goodell on last week. He said he feels that every team will have full capacity throughout this season. And, excuse me, seeing the Texas Rangers are already at full capacity for baseball. 
Yeah, you know, that was kind of wild, man. I it was, and you know, it was really wild to hear some, you know, President Biden and some of the other people. You know, despite whatever your feelings are, it was just weird to hear them, the President of the United States, come out and be like, "Well, I don't know if that's really what we should do." And yeah. It's like, and, and, you know, because you always get that second thought. Then you're like, "Wait, if he's concerned, maybe I should be concerned." Right. And, and I know that we're not a political type of station. You know, we don't right. really talk politics. We just like to talk the sports. But like, sometimes you got to use science to figure out if it's worth taking that risk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, yeah, I guess they thought it was. Yeah, I mean, so. you know, in you know, we haven't heard anything like, oh, my God, all these Texas Ranger fans have, you know, come down with COVID and all these things. So whatever they're doing, it's working, you know, and I, I just yeah. like seeing fans back at all the sports. You know, it's yeah, basketball, yeah. you know, like you said, it just wasn't the same. You know, they had the monitors and everything, but it still just wasn't the same. It's getting there. Now they're starting to have some fans, everything. You know, I was pretty excited this year about the Bulls. And then, you know, with everything with COVID, you couldn't go to the games and see some of the matchups, but. You know, we're getting there. We're slowly pulling out of it, slowly getting back to a little bit more of normal. Um, you know, while we're on the topic of the NBA, Bulls are starting to look really good. Bulls are at, uh, I believe it's three wins in a row now. Yes, after a win against Toronto, they are now at three wins. Do you think they're going to build off that momentum moving forward here, Vince? And what's your take on this team going down the stretch? I think the more time that... Vooch and Zach get to play together, they're going to naturally be better. And I think Vooch is going to bring out the best in some of the other players like Patrick Williams. Williams, you know, we've talked a lot about him on this show because we're all a big fan of him. You know, LeBron came out and compared him to a young Kawhi. He doesn't have that aggressive jump shot like Kawhi does. But, you know, Kawhi didn't have it when he first came – when he was at San Diego State, he didn't have it either. And, you know, he was just a rebound defensive guy. But if Patrick Williams could become a, you know, a, I don't want to say a poor man's version, but even just, you know, a partial version of Scottie Pippen or Kawhi Leonard, a guy that he he bodies up and mans up against the best scorer on the, the other team every single night, he doesn't have to be, you know, Scottie had to be that number two scorer with Vooch and Zach and some of these other guys that I hope they continue to bring in in this new Bulls culture. I he doesn't have to be relied on to be a 25, 30 point guy. He could just be a guy that when it's there, take it. If a guy sags off, you take the mid range because he's got a deadly mid range. I know the mid range has kind of gone away. It seems like everything's either a slam dunk or a three pointer now, but you know, right. Mello, when Melo first started, that was his thing. He had that best mid range out of anybody we've seen in a long time. So now with Patrick Williams, he doesn't miss very often from that mid range. He just doesn't take them very often. So if he's a guy that can do that and play elite defense every single night, I think this team can go pretty far. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point that you bring up about the mid-range shot kind of walking or being pushed out of the game, so to speak, with it being a three-heavy league. That's definitely hurt the mid-range shot. But I've always been a fan of those, you know, 15-foot or so mid-range jumpers where somebody gets just enough space and busts a shot right there. I – that's it's exciting basketball to me. It's a simple shot, but if you do it right, you get a little bit of a fake, a little bit of a juke. It can still be entertaining to watch. And yeah, I mean, obviously the best was Jordan and Kobe when they were hitting them. But you know, even right. a guy like today, I know a lot of people don't like him, but a guy like KD, he's so freaking tall and long. Yeah, he, he just rises up, and a guy's up. right on his face, and he just rises up and hits that mid range over him like they're not even there. Like you said, Vince, not Mello when he was on the Nuggets. 
that was like peak mellow man he could yeah. he could hit from anywhere but his his mid-range game was so deadly people didn't know how to cover him right They'd leave him open in the on the on the three-point line and he would just take one dribble in boom hit it it was uh durant's a bum he i could kind of see it he's still good but gotta go to another team to uh to win a title i guess right <laughs> 1252. Yeah, Who's that? Is that uh is that is that our boy Allen or it's Mike? either Allen or Fat Mike? It's probably Fat Mike. Mike don't like the NBA, so Mike I would I would assume that it's him. Yeah, that's I would assume I it's Mike. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, and that's something we've touched on too is moving to another team to kind of try to cement a legacy and chase that ring, and it's unfortunately a product of the future of the NBA. I don't personally like that direction. You know, it's a, I can't beat them. So I'm going to join them mentality. And I you think know, that- it's yeah. kind of a twofold thing. You know, it's, I, I get it to a point. Like if I wanted to play with my friends, well, then let me go play, you know, I'm gonna play with my friends, this and that, you know, everybody in the NBA is good. You know, everybody, anywhere you go, it was Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Now everybody else is going there. So it's like, well, they did try to go start their own team all that, but you know, to touch on like Angela was saying, the, the whole mid range thing. You know, when when Melo was with the Nuggets, he had that ISO. You know, you had the Jordans, the Kobe's, Tracy McGrady, uh, Allen Iverson. A lot of these guys, they you were so afraid of them dribbling around, you're blowing by you that you had to p- try to play off them. And next, you know, they're hitting that pull up mid range jumper, and that, yeah. now it's just guys just standing out there hitting wide open threes. I mean, look at the the NBA Finals last year. You had. Danny Green wide open for a three and misses it. I mean, you have all these these guys were making right. contested mid-range jumpers with people in their face. That's when basketball was great. You know, you didn't know where they're gonna dunk you or do this. Now it's just everybody passes around, looks for an open three, or just waits for a rebound and gets lets guys shoot wide open. Well, and it was it was different defensively so much back then than it is now. And that's not to say that the current NBA is worse than you know the jordan iverson kobe eras of the nba it's definitely a lot more soft it's a lot more soft i mean yeah without a doubt you know you look at like the 90s bulls specifically early on in michael jordan's career teams like the pistons had rules aimed at defensive jordan rules yeah just absolutely beating him i mean they, I hate to say it like that, but they pretty much said, "Throw him on the floor, make yeah. him get out of the game." Well, that's yeah, what nowadays. Said. Nowadays, that would never fly, man. You'd get suspended no. for two months. And you know, watching that right. Jordan, we all got to see that Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. They did, you know, and they brought it out early because of COVID. There was no sports on. We all got to see it, and you heard those Pistons players say, "Look, we we were very clear with every player that played against them. Don't let them take off from the ground." Right. Grab him, throw him to the ground, do whatever you have to do, but don't let him leave his feet. So I want to say something about that comment. If you could pull that back up for us, Tarbell. The NBA is the worst of all professional leagues. I don't think that's fair to say. The NBA is... Yeah, it's not the same competition it was, right? Where people are jumping team from team. But the caliber of skill of every player right now is just it's on another level man like nobody will reach michael jordan heights but you got guys like lebron kd there seems to be like a superstar on almost every single team i don't think it's fair to say that it's the worst league i like the nba 
I like the way that they have decided to be behind their players so much. Um, I, I know that some people don't like the teaming up aspect, and that's what that comment I'm guessing was because of. But I, I don't think it's fair to say it's the worst of all professional leagues. Here's the thing. If you look no. at baseball, you got guys that don't play in the majors can hit home runs. It, there's right. guys out there that can do it. You look at football, there's fast guys that can run by people and catch a ball. Dude, and I'm not taking any away from any sport by any means. Everybody who plays every sport is the best in the world at what they play. But you look at basketball, I'll never forget I was watching, I don't know what I was watching. It was something with Brian Scalabrini. And they were they were talking to him and they were saying, you know, Scalabrini was never anything special. So, but he was saying guys used to talk shit to him and be like, my boy Scott, what's up, my boy? Um, they, they would talk to him, they'd be like, Oh, you know, I'm better than you, I could beat you, you're horrible, college players are better, blah, blah, blah. And he told them he they played one-on-one and he beat this dude down, like just beat him down. He said, Don't get it twisted. Every player in the NBA is phenomenal like you might look at somebody and be like oh well steph curry can do this brian scalabrini you'll never be a kobe you'll never be a lebron well you're right but you can't even right. you can't even hang with the brian scalabrini's let alone to get to those best right. players in right the there's not going to be right. many kobe's or lebron's exactly. you know what i mean like that's what makes those guys special right you know but i don't know people are silly i mean I would have to say in regards to uh, the comment we had there of the NBA being the worst professional league, I do understand it to a certain extent. It's not fun. That's Fat Mike. That's Mike. That's because he Mike. said that okay. plenty of times. Yeah. That is. Go that ahead, Tarbell. Um, moving on, though, I, I do understand where he's coming from as far as the team-up mentality, and you see the same – you see the same teams in the finals almost every year. And if it's not the same team, it's because those players have migrated to another team. I mean, you see all of these guys in the finals repeatedly, and it's the same thing. Let's stand back and hit three-point shots. Little to no defensive hustle. And it's, it is a totally different game. I think as far as the evolution of certain sports, I think the NBA has definitely evolved the worst out of our professional sports. What do you guys think about that? I mean, when you say it hasn't evolved. So I think it's hard. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, when you say it hasn't evolved, I think it has evolved. I mean, every, you know, every year you see these players are coming in, they're younger and younger, they're faster, they jump higher. They... Well, I'd... I didn't say it hasn't evolved. I said he says evolved the worst. All the right. I would say that, that it's I, I'd say that they've evolved a lot. You got centers now that are shooting from you know way past three point line. The Bam Adebayo's, you know the the six nine centers. You don't need a seven a seven seven foot seven one center that just is a beast down low anymore. That's not the NBA. It's evolved to right. more than that. Now you look at a guy like Bam Adebayo, LaMarcus Aldridge, some of these guys, these centers that they're really – they were never centers before, but they are now because that's a new game. I mean, when did you ever think you see Thaddeus Young being able to play center? You know, right. you don't have the Shaqs and the Tim Duncans. I know he's a power forward, but Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, all these slow guys. You've got absolute athletes playing center now, and they move like they're a point guard. You look at the Anthony Davises. Even look at the Joel, Joel Embiid. 
for as big as he is, he's out there shooting threes. He dribbles, obviously not like some of the other guys, but he'd do things that they just didn't before. Yeah, of course Shaq would dominate in the league. So gonna they didn't they you couldn't touch him. I don't know if I agree with that. Like I know Shaq is Shaq, Shaq is my favorite basketball player that I ever watched growing up. But here's the deal. We talked about it. Rules were made to stop that kind of basketball. The way that Shaq just bodied people, right. jumped on jumped on people, that would not be allowed in today's game. No way. Right. Well, I never I remember when the Bulls played the Lakers, you had the uh Shaq against Rodman and Shaq turned and elbow Rodman in the mouth and they called the foul right. on Rodman. Like that stuff, it wouldn't happen. But if you <laughs> look be at a flagrant every, too, Shaq could be in right. the locker room. Right. Like you look at every sport, every sport, the rules now have made it so that it's you could say softer, but it's done that because of the average fan. The, the commissioners of these leagues are trying to make the them more exciting and more entertaining to the average fan. Right. Like, Angelo, you're a basketball fan. You're always going to be a basketball fan. You know, Tarble, you're a football fan. You're always going to be a football fan. They don't care about you guys. They nope. care about the people that don't watch right now that might watch if they change the rules. You know, the no-hitting the quarterbacks in football because teams started losing their quarterbacks. Mainly the Patriots lost Tom Brady. And they said, well, we can't afford to do that. Owners said, we're going to pay them $40 million a year. I don't want them hurt because they're getting hit right. in the leg. So they said, okay, now right. you can go low on the quarterback. Now you can't do this. Uh, you know, basketball, you can't hand check. You can't do all these different things. Baseball, now they're talking about no shift because it, the guys can't hit when there's a shift. They can't hit the other way. All these things, every sport, you look at it, they're coming up with rules to make it for the average fan who isn't watching it now. They don't care about the diehards. They care about the people who aren't yet a fan. And that does make sense so, to a person. I don't think it's just the NBA, though. No, it's all sports. Right. Like if, like you said, NFL is the same way. The only league that I've seen that still lets their guys smash is the NHL. Yeah. That's it. You know? I don't know. Yeah, see? NHL. Yeah. Now, no, But if you want to talk about slowest evolving league, I think that's the slowest evolving league. I agree. I agree. I think they're the, the slowest evolving league. Right. Not that that's a bad well, thing. No. But, like, no, the NBA is, is – Right. And I guess I shouldn't have said the slowest evolving league. Uh, let me rephrase there. Yeah, choose your words better, Tarble. <laughs> do you think that the evolution of the NBA has hurt the game of basketball? What it's became was was kind of more what I was getting at. And I don't think it's hurt it. That's a good question. That's a good question. I like the way you phrased that question better than the other one. Yeah, but I would say on your ass tonight, Tarver. I would say <laughs> I would say that that's right. that's true in every league, though. Like it, it the NFL is the same way. The rule changes have hurt the NFL yeah. product. Right. What did most people tune in to see? Those big hits, right? Yeah. Those have gotten eliminated yeah. from the game. You're seeing the scores go up to, you know, fifty-eight to fifty yeah. in some cases. Like, yeah, that's cool. Everybody likes scoring. I personally I didn't mind when defenses were allowed to play defense. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big fan of a defensive game. I would take a, a defensive game that ends fourteen to seven over uh 40 50 point shootout any day but that's just me that's what i like and for the majority of people they want to see high scoring games i I like to see you know the big hits like you said to an extent obviously now with cte and everything that we know about concussions getting hit the nfl's limited that for the safety of the players but 
defenses used to be able to win championships, and I don't know that in the NFL that's true anymore. Right. Well, we, saw, we had a comment from the chat. Our guy Scott said, you know, even hockey has started to try to limit those big hits. And you, you're right. You see, you know, a lot of those big hits where guys are up against the boards and they come from center ice or the blue line to make a hit. And those used to just be big hits. Now, you know, it, it's a, a a major penalty. It's a suspension. It's everything. You right, know, because it's, it's the health good. of the athlete. You know what exactly. I mean? That's what it is. And people can bitch and moan about it all they want. But at the end of the day, they are people that play yeah, these sports. Absolutely. They're not machines. You have to watch out. You've heard it countless times from former NFL players. You have to save them from themselves, right? Because a football player will will drive himself into the ground. That's what these leagues have to do. It's their responsibility to make sure that these players are safe. One, because they're humans. Two, because as much as it sounds like bad, they're the asset for the for the brand. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And if they're like you said, Vince, if their assets are hurt, quarterbacks especially, that's bad for that league. You're losing right. viewerships. So yeah, I mean, if the faces of you know each franchise, the the face of the franchise isn't out there because he got his head rattled the the last game out. Now he's not he's not out there. That doesn't do anybody good. Like you said, it's not good for the player. It's not good for the owner. It's not good for the fan because you know you hear about it all the time and you know, mostly about the NBA because of the resting now, but just as default sports, you could take any sport. If you, you know, you saved up and you, you got enough money cause it's expensive to go to games. You got enough, uh, enough money to just go to one game and you could pick one game. You look at the schedule and say, Oh, uh, Tampa Bay's coming in and I want to go see Tom Brady and Mike Evans and all those guys or whoever. And, that game comes around and they got hurt two weeks ago and they're not playing. Well, that was the whole reason you went there. Now you're like, now you have a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. Well, that's, I paid all this money to see that guy play. And now I can't yeah. see that guy play. So it's just, like you said, it's protecting the assets. It's protecting. And not yeah. only are they protecting the assets, but they're protecting their future health. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our guys, our guy Scott here in the chat saying he's not bitching, just saying all leagues are becoming more finesse and less aggressive. I would definitely agree with that. And, Again, you can say it's because of player safety, but at the end of the day, the leagues want to, pre- want to protect their assets just as much as they just as much as they care about their players' health. Right. Don't, don't think for one second that those leagues don't have their those teams in those leagues don't have the bottom dollar in their mind. Right. Absolutely. There's it's always an alternative motive, right? Yeah. So let's yeah, transition so. a little bit here. Did you guys see the? Uh, the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs actually proposed it, and it came out a couple of days ago. The NFL is expected to approve the jersey number changes. Did you guys yeah. get a chance to check that out? I, I did check it out. I'm not sure if really what the significance of it is, you know, just because, like, so is the number really that big of a deal? But I guess it's it's news because it's different, right? What do you guys think? So here's the thing. I'm kind of I there's two sides to this. One, I get it from the NFL's perspective because now everybody that's got, you know, let's just say Derrick Henry. Everybody's got his jersey. Well, he's probably going to switch to two cuz that's what he wore at Alabama, that's what he wore in high school. Now everybody's going to have to go buy a number 2 Derrick Henry jersey. All the players who have kind of stalled out in Jersey sales now skyrocket again. Let's say, you know, I don't think the quarterbacks changed, but just for argument's sake, they did. If Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden changed his Jersey number, 
or Tom Brady. Somebody changed their jersey number. Now I got to go buy all those jerseys. It was like LeBron when he went from 23 to 6. Well, now I got to have a 6 jersey. Then he went back to 23 with the same team. Well, now I got to have that jersey. So that, And then the other side of it from the athletes, but some of these guys are so into numbers. You know, uh, I see it even on the indoor football level. Some of these guys, like one of the guys that plays for us, he's, he, he's number 10. We don't have rules in, in indoor about what numbers they can wear. But if he went to the he's got 10 tattooed on him like four different times. Another guy's got 56 tattooed huge on his back. You know, if these guys, sometimes the numbers are everything to them. So I see why they want to change. And I definitely see why the, the league said, okay, yeah, let's make, let's make this happen. Because now you can sell it all. Kansas City says that the reason they did it was because they were running out of 20 through 40 20 through 49 or whatever it was for running backs, whatever. I'm pretty sure you could right. find how many running backs you have. They don't use any of them anyway. Right. So <laughs> you, got, you got 20 running backs on your team. Jesus. Right. Like what difference does it make? But it, it's, it's all about money. You know, we talked about the extra home game. Everything unfortunately falls back to money and we're yep. coming off a season with no fans last year. How do you instantly generate more money? You change everybody's Jersey number. Yep. Oh, absolutely. At the price of jerseys, I mean, when you're spending 100 to $130, whatever it may be for a jersey, and then you see, okay, they just changed this guy's number, well, now the average fan's going to be obligated. They're going to feel like they're obligated to go out and spend money on it. I mean, if don't get me wrong, if David Montgomery goes out and changes his number, am I going to buy – a jersey with the change number on it? No, because he's still a current Bears player. I wouldn't I'm buy a 32 buy jersey with David Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know what I'm saying. Though. I get what you're <laughs> no, saying. I'm, well, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, let's say Fat. Let's say that Fat Mike was looking for you know another Mitch Trubisky number jersey right. for the Buffalo Bills, right? Right now he's going to have to go get a Mitch Trubisky number eight jersey or 37 jersey, whatever Trubisky right. decides to do so that Mike has a jersey to wear for next season. You know, maybe Mike will be a fan. Maybe Mitch Trubisky when he goes to Buffalo and they say, Mitch, what number do you want? Maybe he'll take number 69. And then Fat Mike oh, can be a fan yeah. of him. Mike will love that one for sure. You're going to see him spotting a 69 Trubisky jersey. <laughs> You know, I think realistically, it's nothing but silly money grab. Doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, let me tell you, that was the best. That was excellent. So you know, we should just have Fat Mike listen to every show and pop his head in every every once in a while. Is that considered like a stream bomb? Not gonna happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys ever play Mortal Kombat back in the day? You remember when you like uppercut somebody and that yeah. guy would pop on and be like, that's, that's, that's Fat Mike. Somebody block his account. We don't want him out here no more. But uh, we, we wanted to touch on a couple more topics right before we brought deal. On. We did. We did. What are, uh, what were some of those other ones? We talked about the jerseys. What did about uh, Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold got traded from yep. the Jets over to the Panthers. It kind of is a twofold thing. A lot of people say with Sam Darnold, who cares? Well, it takes another quarterback off the board that a lot of teams yep. thought they could get if they didn't get a quarterback in the draft. They could trade for Sam Darnold. It also means the Jets are absolutely going to take Zach Wilson at two. Um, yep. You know, there's no doubt about that now. As well as it takes Carolina out of the mix now for a quarterback. So right. not to go on a long time. At least you would here, think. You would think. You would think. But right. now to go on a, you know, it adds Teddy Bridgewater to the mix. 
I, I think Denver winds up trading for Teddy Bridgewater, to be honest. Um, and I think what happens, I think the Bears can get a quarterback at 20 because you see you're going to go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Atlanta has talked about trading out. Let's just say they go quarterback. Now you've gone four quarterbacks right away. You're going to go – a lot of those teams don't need quarterbacks now. Carolina is not going to take a quarterback at eight. They're just not going to. Right. These other teams are not going to go after quarterbacks when they either just signed, just traded, did all these things for quarterbacks. Now they're more likely that a guy falls um, to the Bears or you don't have to move up as high. You know, instead of having to go up to three or four or to think you might get to, you might be able to move up to 10. Or, you know, I think the hot spot is 12. I think it's tw- yeah. no 13. The Chargers pick 13. You move up to 13, you have to give up less than to go up to four. Yep. The two teams that I think the Bears have to compete with for that fifth and final quarterback, if they so choose to get one, is uh, New England at 15 and Washington at 17. Yep. Chargers yeah. could get the guy they want at 13. They could probably get somebody close to him at 20. So you move up to 13, and now you put yourself in front of the only other two teams to worry about a quarterback. The only thing that changes this, and we were talking about a little bit in our chat the other day, is a report did come out, and who knows what you can believe anymore. There's so many reports this right. time of year that their their friends, neighbors, brothers, so-and-so said that he heard from this guy, and it becomes a report. Right. Well, so, supposedly the other day they said that the Bears are considered moving up to four or five, Atlanta or Cincinnati spot, and not taking a quarterback, moving up to that spot to take Sewell, the, the left tackle out of Oregon. I think you'd have to give up a shit ton to get him, and I'd rather not. But if you're going to go get a guy, at least you get a franchise left tackle that can right. change the game. Yeah, I would agree I for with sure. that. I, I think. Go ahead, Angela. I was just going to say I, I think it's stupid for the Bears to move up. For I, I get the guys, the guys projected to be one of the best tackles, you know, for the next ten years, but. The Bears have so many holes on this team. To move up would be irresponsible. You know, I agree. I, mean? I, just I think, think you can. Enough, they don't have enough ammo to move up and still fill the holes. Right, and I think the whole right. Andy Dalton signing is a clear sign that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have more than just this year to make this yeah. happen. I totally agree. I I really wish that wasn't the case. I wish we would have sent both of them packing after this past season, but. It seems like there's no indication that they're going to be out of Chicago anytime soon. The McCaskey right. family, for whatever reason, is in love with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. You know what? I, I get it. Um, a lot of people are upset. My point, my feeling at this point is I'm now ready to see the, the moves they make. And hopefully they make some moves here that at least put themselves in a position to do something. You know, do I think Andy Dalton was a great move? No, I don't. I don't think it was a great move by any means. But you're paying him $5 million. Even if you even if you traded for a quarterback that's making good money, say a Teddy Bridgewater or somebody like that, if you look at all the quarter, the whole quarterback room put together, you're going to pay him roughly $30 million. Most right. teams are paying that to one guy. Do you have that one guy? No. But at least you're not paying multiple guys – 20 25 million you're paying guys 5 million to Andy Dalton 5 million to Nick Foles or 8 million to Nick Foles if um Andy Dalton gets the full 10 then he hit his incentives 
All we can bank right. on is those incentives mean playoffs. They mean Super Bowls. They mean – do I think they're going to Super Bowl is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if he was to hit those right. incentives, it means good things are happening. So it, 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 if we hit all those good things and we have to pay him $10 million, it's still not a big deal. It's only $10 million. If we're only paying him five, then we're not risking anything. There was no – it didn't it didn't prevent you from doing anything else by going and getting Andy Dalton. It doesn't mean you can't take a quarterback early. It doesn't mean you can't go sign somebody. So I, I get the frustration, but I think a lot of it was more everybody thought we're getting Russell Wilson. You know, everybody so there was that comment. There was that one comment that said that the Bears were the most uh, – the poorest run organization, right? I wanted to ask you guys. I reject that idea. Is the – is there another organization that you think is worse than the Bears right now? Because it was Jacksonville, right? But now oh, Jacksonville's in this Texans. position. Well, okay, maybe the Texans. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, the Texans going back to is, is is all the way to last year. You see these these trades that are happening. I mean, the Rams traded Jared Goff, or the Lions traded Matthew Stafford. They got Jared Goff two two first-round picks and a third-round pick. All these guys, Jalen Ramsey got traded for two first-round picks. They traded DeAndre Hopkins for a 30-year-old David Johnson and a second-round pick. You couldn't even get not one first-round yeah. pick for the, one of the, arguably the best wide receiver in football. But Are the Bears have... one of the bottom three franchises in the NFL right now? Let's see. I think Houston is worse than them. I think – Think about, think on, about the overall situation – Draft picks, cap space, pl uh, players that you have on your team right now. I, they have to be bottom five at the very best. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to be bottom five very best. But, you know, I, I, I just think there's a lot of, you know, winning changes. They say winning cures it all. If, if the Bears start winning some games, suddenly things don't seem so bad. You know, when Matt Nagy's first year and the Bears were a Cody Parkey douchebag kick of the year away from moving to the second round of the playoffs. Nobody was calling for anybody's job. Nobody was saying, oh, these guys suck. We're the worst team in football. They did the same thing this year. They made it to the playoffs and didn't win a game. It's the same thing, but it's the image of what, how you feel about the wins that changed everything. And that comment in the chat does bring up a good point. Where are they going to find these wins? I believe it was said that the Bears have the third toughest schedule in the NFL this upcoming season. So that is definitely concerning when you have a defense that's obviously declining and you have an offense that's led by Andy Dalton. I, No matter how you sugarcoat it and sprinkle it out there, Andy Dalton is not the answer that this team needs. And knowing how Ryan Pace drafts and the, the level of mediocrity that he has, he'll probably trade up in – Take a guy like Kellen Mond in the first round when come on nobody's doing. See, see that's what's wrong with Bears fans. See, you were doing really good and then you went meathead on us. Even Ryan Pace. No. But that's the thing. The here's here's Mond. the thing, Vince. Here's the thing, Vince. That's some shit Ryan Pace would do if no, all the quarterbacks are off the board. Trade up for Kellen Mond. Everybody says this because he drafted Mitch Trubisky. Do you know what? Mitch Trubisky sucks. I'm with you. Horrible, horrible decision to move him and trade for him. The year he drafted him, five out of the seven NFL analysts that did draft picks had him listed as the best quarterback on the board. So right, you I understand that. That Ryan Pace moved up for a guy that nobody he had no business taking. 
it's really easy to say that five years from five years later when it's turned out that Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are night and day compared to Trubisky. But the time of the draft, nobody said, oh, I don't know if this was the right pick. I don't, oh, I don't know. This might cost him his job. Everybody said, man, that's what you do. You go get your guy. That's your guy on the board. You go get him. If you could see the future, nobody would make the mistakes. Everybody had him listed as the number one quarterback. Nobody. Matt Nagy is the only guy that had Pat Mahomes as the number one quarterback off the board. And you know what? That's the guy we have in the room. Right. I was just going to say that. That's one good thing about, I guess, Matt Nagy staying is the way he felt about Patrick Mahomes going into that draft. Hopefully, he kind of find a guy that he thinks is similar to that. Not that I'm saying his his quarterback acumen up to this point is anything to be excited about, but I have I, I truly believe that Matt Nagy did not like Mitch Trubisky and did he everything he could to make it look like Mitch could not run the offense he wanted him Mitch to run. Mitch can't run the offense. Right, which which turned out to be true. He can't run the offense Everybody that Nagy wanted to run. Up for Mitch Trubisky, all you need to see is when he was finally available – Nobody offered him a starting job. Nobody. Yep. nobody. Even teams that have nobody was, wouldn't willing to give him a contract as a starter. The only right. contract he got offered was Buffalo, where you know you're not playing unless Josh Allen gets hurt. And the only reason they brought him in is because he's mobile like Josh Allen. He can yep. run the same type of offense. That's it. You got a guy in Josh Allen who's probably going to be an MVP in the next few years. He was in the debate this year. You got a guy that you're not playing in front of that guy. See, look, twelve fifty two sports. I agree. The way Josh Allen played last year, like sky's the limit for that guy. Yeah, I mean, we had a, a, a somebody in the chat say that it was McCaskey and Pace who wanted Mitch. I don't even think it was McCaskey. It truly is Ryan Pace's. He's he is football operations, and he John Fox wanted Deshaun Watson. Ryan Pace said Trubisky's the guy. The year before that, I always forget who the player was, but the year before that, he skipped on somebody, and it was the guy he wanted, and whatever have you. The next year, he said, "I'm not, I'm not letting anybody talk me out of it." And he went with his guy. I would have been all for the Bears fired Ryan Pace. One thousand percent would have supported it. Would not have defended him at all. Been like, oh my God, why would you do this? I don't think Matt Nagy has got a fair shake. How can you coach a team that doesn't have a quarterback? And everybody who says maybe it was Nagy and not Trubisky, I go back to nobody else in the NFL was willing to give Trubisky a shot. Teams that have nobody. Washington said, I'd rather have 39 or 40-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick come in to be the guy than 26-year-old Mitch Trubisky. That tells you everything you need to know right there. Nobody was willing to give this guy a shot. Yeah, and I I mean, he got a very minimal contract. So, yeah, it does speak volumes to the player Trubisky is. And he's not a starting caliber quarterback in this league. But I've said it before, and I will say it again, a good player coaches to the strengths of his players. And even What if if the player has no strengths? Right. Everybody the- keeps saying that Ryan, Matt Nagy should have done this or he should have done that. All of a sudden, Matt Nagy should have taken Mitch Trubisky. He should have shined that turd up and made it shiny a piece of gold. At the end of the day, he's still a turd. Mitch Trubisky is a turd. <laughs> he can't do anything. The only thing he did right was he ran on third and longs, and he got all those first downs. Then he got hurt, and he refused to run. 
You saw he did when he. You're right. Him. Ever since he got hit, when yeah. he got hit, he was he was so timid and and he always second guessed that run after that. And right. and I think that's really where the downfall for him happened because yeah, he was able to extend drives with his legs, and then he just stopped. So right. I just think he was afraid to get hurt again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's my Mitch Trubisky tangent. I digress. Every yeah, time we talk Bears on this network, man, we always get pissed off. Man, you know what Fuck. it is? You know, like, I get it. I get all the other stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, yes, Ryan Pace blows. I get it. There's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of things he's done wrong. But he has gotten some guys right, too. So we can't say that every pick he's made has been wrong. Right. right. No, and I understand what you're saying. There have obviously been some big misses, but there have been some good picks. It Honestly, Ryan Pace is much better in the later rounds. So we'll see what he does this upcoming draft. Maybe he'll go maybe he'll go out and strike gold for once, but my confidence in Ryan Pace is very short. Very We small. we should make our, our Bears bitching moment brought to us by one of our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. So so with that, guys, we're going to take a quick minute to share a video from our sponsors here over at the Jonathan Darren team with Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. And we're back again. That quick commercial was brought to us by the Jonathan Darren team at the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. If you're looking to buy a home in the area, definitely go ahead and check them out. Uh, they'll definitely take care of you. Great group of guys over there. Definitely. All right, fellas. So we transitioned a little bit. We ahead. covered football. We covered basketball. We Let's go to baseball a little bit. We're kind of a uh, little over a week here into the season. Got Cubs and Sox. What a – you know, let's go with a Tarble. What's your what's your biggest surprise so far of this first week of the week or so of the season? You know, I would have to say just how poorly the Cubs have hit starting the season here. That surprises you? You know, <laughs> it it does because I was optimistic that this team would really start to turn it around this year. Tarble, they haven't hit and, for three years. You know, it's it's always been that kind of hit the home run or nothing mentality. But this year I was really hoping that they would finally start to piece it together. You know, we obviously made some moves in the offseason. But when you look at a team that's, you know, hitting worse than I believe they said the the stat was that all pitchers in the MLB are hitting better than the Cubs offensively right now. I believe it. You know, when, that is a stick hitting, stat. 
<laughs> when you're hitting that low, it's I don't care how good your pitching is, and it's not like we've got any dynamite pitchers out there. Yes, Arietta's looked good. You know, obviously Hendricks is going to be fine, but it's not like we've got that all-star pitcher out there that we know is going to get a shutout. You've got to be able to score runs, and that's what we've struggled with the most early on here, and I I guess I should have expected it to an extent. I just hope that it gets better moving forward because this isn't what I want the to see. Only the, positive, the only positive with this Cubs team right now is Craig Crimble. Craig Kimbrell. That's it. And who would have thought that would have been a positive coming into the year? I know it's only been a few games, so we'll wait to see because I'm waiting for the shoe to drop and for him just to turn to shit again. But I have to take some kind of I, – I just I disagree with you, Tarbill. The, the, the Cubs' bats have been terrible since 2017. Hell, they were bad – they were bad in 2016 during the World Series. They'd go right. dead for a few games. It's just been like that. This team can't hit. They haven't been able to hit. We talked about it on Wednesday. It's excuse after excuse after excuse. This is the reason they can't hit. Oh, well, 17, they had the hangover. 18, it was the hitting coach. 19, it was Joe Madden. 20, blah, 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 blah. It's been the same. Nobody seems to be getting out of any slump or finding any rhythm. At this point, I would rather you trade half these guys away and start with nobodies and hope to hit on a couple of those guys than watch these big-name guys do absolutely nothing at the plate for five years in a row. I definitely understand what you're saying there, Angelo. It always, it has been an excuse with this hitting for the last, you know, few years. But I was really hoping with what we saw in spring training that this team would surprise me in a positive way. Exactly. See, that's the problem. Everybody sees spring training. Everybody hits in spring training. It's nice weather. Because the weather's nice. Spring training. It's what it's made for. You got, there's three things. I disagree with Angelo. There's three things to look that is a positive for Cubs. He hit the first one dead on with Craig Kimbrell. The second one is that the pitching staff has looked way better than anybody thought they would, other than Alizé. Everybody thought that they were going to struggle, and they've all looked good. Arietta's looked great. Uh, they've had some very good starting pitching. And then the third one, I forgot his name, but we were talking about it in our little group chat, the the relief pitcher with the, the handlebar mustache. Oh, yeah. And his Twitter, <laughs> it says, I'm here to chew bubblegum and strike people out, and I'm all out of bubblegum. That's what's up. I like it. Those are, those are the three things that you look forward to the Cubs. That's it. But don't be surprised. They yeah. haven't hit, like Angelo said, they haven't hit since the World Series of 2016. And every year, you got you know, why does anybody ever get on the Cubs? We we hear every show, we hear somebody talk about Ryan Pace this, Ryan Pace that, blah, blah, blah. Touche. I get it. Touche. I get it. Theo is going to be a god forever because they won a World Series. But every year, him and Jed said, we're going to blow, we're going to make changes. This We can't keep going with this core of the team. We're, we This core isn't the future going forward. And every year, it's the same core. What did you take out of it? Albert Almora and Kyle Schwarber? What about yep. the Rizzos and the Bryants and the Baez? How long are we going to let Baez not be able to hit because he can tag people out? 
I get that, it. He has yo, made, good call. He has I love Baez. I, I, he's my favorite Cub right now. I'm guilty of it too. But he doesn't hit. He want you know these no. guys. They want the three hundred to two hundred million dollar contracts, and they don't hit. He he has some of the worst um, on base percentage and different things. He's always going back to swing at those high strikes. But nobody ever says that. Nobody says, why do we have the same core? Why doesn't somebody hold Jed Hoyer accountable? Why is I get it that Chicago is football. I get it. But come on, man. How many years in a row do we got to watch this same team go out there and not be able to hit? Yes, I'm ecstatic that we got a World Series. Uh, it's my favorite thing. But now that means that they get to suck again for the next hundred years because we got one. What happened to the, you know, what happened to the, well, we don't want to just be good one year. We want the consistent competitiveness. Where is that at? Yeah, you made the playoffs there, but nobody Nowhere. They, yeah, they didn't make that. I don't, I don't agree with that nine games. He's been there for three years. He was, he was a right hand guy. Don't give me that. Yep. Come on. Nope. I don't agree. I, I agree with you, Vince. I nine games. No, nine games in charge. Yeah, but he's been in that room with that with Theo. He was making and these that decisions last year, also. Theo was on his way out. Jed was doing everything right. anyways. Right. Right. So two Chicago sports teams pissed me off tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you want to try for three? I mean, we no. can. Why not piss me off some more on a nice Friday night? That's okay. Or we can go into some WrestleMania. Yes, let's get to WrestleMania and this madness of Chicago mediocre sports. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. So That's just so everybody fine. knows, we're, we're waiting on D'Lo. Uh, our, our buddy Fat Mike is, is messaging us right now. He might have some stuff kind of coming up right now. We're trying to wait to find out for sure. He was supposed to be on. Um, I'm waiting for Mike to text me and let me know what the situation is. He was supposed to be on about 10 minutes ago. Um, But we'll continue the WrestleMania talk before he gets here. Or if he doesn't, then we'll just keep talking WrestleMania. So, I mean, (laughs) what else are we going to do? It would be the first time that a guest is canceled. Me and Mike had a few, uh, like, uh, probably three months ago, we were supposed to have somebody on, and they called us in the middle of the show. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to make it on tonight. Like, what? In the <laughs> middle of the show? What are you talking about? But, uh, all right, so where do you want to start? You want to go down the uh, the match card or the card yeah, list or let's what? Go down, let's go down the card. All right, all right, all right. So, <sighs> so the first one, match card, night one, is the Tag Team Turmoil. It's the Riot Squad versus Lana and Naomi versus uh, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose and Natalia and Tamina. Does anybody care about that match? Go. Um, no is the correct answer. Oh, come on. No? Like, that was just going to blow right by it? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, like, that's your typical WrestleMania filler match. It is. It's, it's your typical filler match. Right. But right. I was, you know, we were talking about this in our own chat a little earlier. At least... You got that team that you, if you don't have a team that you could pull for uh, the Natalia Neidhart and Tamina Snuka, at least, you know, everybody knows their fathers, the Jimmy Superfly Snuka and Jimmy Anvil Neidhart. At least, you know, you can, you could go with them if you don't have anybody in it. As you said, it's just your typical filler match. Um, otherwise, you've got, I mean, there's some, you know, Mandy Rose is cool to look at. Liv Morgan is cool to look at. Boom, bingo. 
<laughs> Liv Morgan, that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> Naomi, yo, Naomi, she was good right after the Funkadactyls broke up. Yeah. But since then, since that, Sasha Banks, yeah, that's my girl, Sasha Banks. But uh, <laughs> since since the Funkadactyl situation, it, it, it like gave her the title and then they took it away and you haven't seen her since. And it's, right. she just, no like, the fire kind of died on women's her. Royal Rumble when she gets to do the the female Kofi Kingston impression. Of, yeah, that's you know, what I was just going to say. That's the, yeah, you're always good for those. Uh, that's why they keep them around. It's just for the Kofi. And, yeah. Right. Absolutely. A, night, a match that I am looking forward to, though, is the Seth Rollins and uh, Cesaro match. I love Cesaro. I've liked him since he came into the WWE. Seth Rollins is one of my favorite guys also. So I think that's going to be one of those matches, kind of how – Shinsuke and AJ Styles was where it's going to yes. be hard hitting. It's going to mm-hmm. be a story that they're telling. I love Seth Rollins' character right now of like that Messiah. Right. Uh, if you guys have ever played Far Cry, Far Cry Four, I think it was. There was like this Messiah character in there who was like this cult leader, and he, I'm telling you, he's portraying that a hundred percent. I love it. I love. Yeah, Seth it was Rollins definitely. A, it was. You know, it was a cool turn they took with his character. You know. First, he was that that when he, that real young Seth Rollins. He was the, you know, you could tell that he had the most talent out of out of the Shield, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, Roman Reigns has the size that everybody. You know, Vince McMahon. They, it's very well documented. He likes the the guys that look the part, but you could tell Seth Rollins was the talent. And as you know, they've gone with his character now to this, like you said, the Messiah character. It right. just is very very cool thing to watch unfold. Um, you know, and I just think that it's Cesaro's a great worker in the ring, and they're going to tell a great story. So, if I read this correctly, I think D'Lo is here. Well, let's, you know, let's bring him on. He's a former TNA NWA tag team champ, an intercontinental champ, and a four-time European champion in the WWE, D'Lo Brown. I've been late. I'm, I'm doing a clinic here in Denver, Colorado, and I I ignored my phone as it was ringing because I was in the middle of talking. So here I am. Sorry. I'm on no. with you guys. You're totally <laughs> good. We will hold the show for D'Lo Brown. That's right. D'Lo Two Belts, we'll call them. Right. <laughs> D'Lo Two Belts. The original Two Belts. That's I right. Two, I did Two Belts before it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. With that, with the awesome uh, European Championship, that was one of my favorite titles. Nobody ever yeah. talks about that one anymore. That is the actually my best title. I love that title. I still have her at home right now. It, it goes everywhere I do. That's awesome. That's that's, it's just such a cool stuff. belt. Yeah, I, I like. The, I'm a fan of the uh, the older Intercontinental title too that you held with that one. That's my favorite Intercontinental title. Uh, the classic one is cool too, but I, I really like that Attitude Era one. I, I love the I love the Intercontinental title. The, the one I had. I like the uh, the old one, like the one Bret Hart had, and mm-hmm. also the. Uh, yeah, you know everyone's favorite the the double wing double wing eagle. Um, yeah, I that was my, my I love the double wing eagle. My favorite belt of all time is the NWA World TV Title belt. Nice. Okay, okay. Nice. So, so D-Lo, those, we had a couple questions for you. For us, go ahead, shoot. <laughs> Vince, do you want to start them off? Uh no, go ahead, go ahead, Angela, take it. All right, so we were talking before. Um, in the pre-show, just about your career in general. Uh, you came into the WWE, 
in 97, right? As part yeah. of the nation. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to work with some of those guys like the rock and, and Farouk and all that. Dude, it was, it was, it was tremendous in terms of the education I got from, you know, like Farouk took me under his wing and became literally my mentor. So he, he taught me how to become a pro, not just getting paid, but taught me how to act and, and handle myself and how to travel, how to, how to be a professional and then to be around guys like, you know, the rock watching him grow as a performer it gave you inspiration or me inspiration on how I wanted to grow and expand myself. And then, you know, being our guys like, you know, friends of mine, like Mark Henry, like, you know, the chemistry he and I had on film was easy because that's the chemistry we had backstage and in the car and driving down the highway and at the hotel. So, and then you throw in Godfather, man, I'm so glad I had that dude on my side instead of going against me. <laughs> So we talked, you know, you talked about seeing some of the guys growing, like The Rock growing everything. When you first came in and, you know, you had that young Rocky Maya Villa, you know, was it instant? Like, did you guys know being around him every day? Could you tell that he was going to be something special? Uh, no, but you always knew he had the work ethic to do it. Like, if someone says they knew Rocky was going to be the highest paid actor in the world and, and dominate <laughs> wrestling 20 years ago, they were lying. But what you did see was the foundations of, his studying, um, his is constantly trying to do promos and 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 tweak things and and evolve. That foundation, that groundwork was always there, and you could see that clear as day. That's awesome. We we got a question here in the chat from our guy Alan uh, on behalf of one of his friends. He's asking two questions. One, Delo, are you still a CPA? And being a CPA back in the day, how many fellow wrestlers did you help with their finances, if so? I am not currently a CPA. Uh, and back in the day, I made it a rule because you don't mix business and pleasure. I never did any of the boys' taxes because if something went wrong, I got to be in the room with him for 300 more nights coming up. So uh, no, I made it a rule never to do any of the boys' taxes. Okay. Absolutely. All right, Dilo, before we get into WrestleMania – I hear you're a big time Bears fan. Huge Bears fan. Struggling so Bears fan. Let, let's talk. Oh. Yeah, oh. struggling is, is very oh. true. Oh. Every, every, <laughs> every time we talk Bears on here, it, it always gets everybody pissed off. So, what what do you think about the Bears quarterback situation right now? So I think I don't know what happened. We, we we're having trouble hearing you. Uh, if, if I were to describe the Bears quarterback situation in two words, it'd be dumpster fire. That's way <laughs> to put it. I mean, let's 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 go through the logic of this. Um, let's bring a guy in and Andy Dalton and pay him anywhere between ten to thirteen million dollars. But we could have picked him up last year for for three million dollars in a bag of balls. But we bring him here this year and give him more money. This is awesome. Or you see a guy like Sam Darnold get traded for literally like picks next year, two years from now, and we do nothing. So I don't understand if two guys, if, if Nagy and Pace are coaching and, and, and being GM for their for their quote unquote lives, this is what you do when your life is on the line. Okay. 
It's funny you say that. You know, we we have a we talk about the Bears often on this show, and we've come to the conclusion we don't we don't feel like they're truly at the end of their leash. We think that they've been told that just do what you got to do. You're you're safe. You're not going anywhere um, because, like you said, they're just they're not moves you make if you're if you're desperate to save your job. They're just no. average moves you make if you're just a middle of the road, okay with being eight and eight, five hundred below five hundred. They're those type of moves. It's it's the sign of systemic failure. And this comes from the highest levels of the Bears organization, from a high on top of Hallis Hall. They are happy. And I don't understand. You're the charter franchise. You, Papa Hallis started this whole thing. And you're happy with being in the middle of the pack and drafting 20 every year. I don't get it. I want more out of my team. Yeah. I want them. The bad part is I want them to want more out of our team. And it doesn't seem like. They want more. No, they don't care. As long as there's people in the seats, they don't care what happens. And right, like, like, so everybody took a hit because of COVID, but now they're going to start letting uh, fans back in. And of course, everyone's going to rush to get one of those tickets to be in the stadium. They're going to be like, oh, everybody loves us still. The moves that they've made over the last, let's say, three years itself, it's just, it's confusing. They're signing guys to these ridiculous contracts for no reason. Half the guys they're signing aren't producing. Mm-hmm. I think that this Dalton signing did say, hey, we're going to give Matt and Ryan two years, three years. We're going to let Matt pick his quarterback and then hopefully develop him the first year, give him the second year with him and see how it goes. And and it's so frustrating. It, it's frustrating because this is what organizations like Cincinnati does or Cleveland. This is what they do. Except for now, both of them have a quarterback. Yes, and now the problem right. is, like when you used to, we used to make jokes about the Jets or or Cincinnati or Cleveland, and now we're the joke. Right now, people right. in Cleveland are laughing at us. And and I'm sorry, we're the oldest franchise in the league. We're not supposed to have one Super Bowl win, and not been there. You know, only been there once in 35 years. And and and, come on, man. They they ride that charter franchise, that mantra all the time, and yeah, the charter franchise that's awesome. But if you only have one Super Bowl in thirty five in the last thirty five years, what do you really have? You, you know what I mean? Them. Like, right? You should the Bears should be a team like, uh, let's like the Patriots this offseason spent a whole bunch of money, right? Or mm-hmm. Tampa Bay last year where they were like, hey, we got Tom Brady, let's get him these weapons to win with. Winning is the ultimate goal. And then resign goal. them all in the offseason. Right. And winning is the ultimate goal. But but the McCaskies, I think they want to win. I just don't think they know how to win. That's why I think it's weird that they're like, yeah, Ryan's our football guy. I think they need somebody like a president of football ops to come in and, and really make some tough decisions here. Now that the Bears have broken my heart twice on this show, can we transition back to wrestling so I can be happy again? Because you guys broke my heart with the Bears. And then D'Lo Brown comes on, comes on, I get all excited, and you go back to the Bears, and you break my heart all over again, Angelo. Uh, can I just say one more right, thing? Absolutely. Then Let's I'll talk wrestling. I will, I will leave the Bears alone because they, 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 they piss me off so much. Um. But I, you're right. I think we need to bring in someone. We need to look at other organizations and see how successful organizations 
and see how they run their franchises. See who they have at the top, the very, very top, and go steal somebody from them and put them in charge of our club so they can fix us from the top down. Like you the know? Bulls did. The Bulls went out and got AK, and now look right. at Right, and look, at they're making moves, and they're looking good. And look, their future is a whole lot brighter than it was six months ago. Absolutely. We oh, need to fix from the top down, not from the bottom up. And right now we're fixing from the bottom up. Definitely. Real right, quick, guys. The Bears. Real quick before we move off these Bears, I got one quick question from the chat. Who? How did you become a Bears fan? I think know? this ties into my first wrestling question. Um, so I became a Bears fan. I, I grew up near Philadelphia. So I hated the Eagles. Couldn't stand them. Um, one day I'm sitting home, my brothers, and he's got his friends over watching the Eagles play. I don't even know the team. I just know they're wearing, they're wearing blue. They're wearing, no, they're wearing white with a C on their helmet. I don't know who they are. I'm young. Okay. I see this dude hit the hole, bounce, spin, run 40 yards one way, stop on a dime, spin, run 40 yards the other way, turn up field, touchdown. Walter Payton, been a Bears fan ever since. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So awesome. Walter made me fall in love with the Bears, and I've that's been my team since I was nine years old. Hey, D'Lo. So we kind of were talking pre-show a little bit about your name and how you got the D'Lo, uh, you know, character and name. It's a real interesting story. Would you mind uh, going into how you came to the D'Lo name? So in high school, I had a friend named Darren Lewis. Uh, his nickname was D'Lo. Um, he unfortunately passed away. So when I started my wrestling career, I asked his mother if I could use his name, his nickname as my wrestling name. So it's a way of paying respect to him every time I went to the ring. That's super cool. That's awesome. So there it is. And the Browns just fit in. So I got to ask, how did the billing of From Chicago start? A Bears fan. So my heart's always been with Chicago. I wasn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to be born in Chicago. But I chose to make Chicago my home. Okay. And so okay. I always, I always identified with Chicago. This, you know, tough city that's got this rough exterior, but it's strong and it's and it's will to win and and it's going to be better than anybody else. So I've always identified with Chicago, and that's where I chose to be to represent and be represented by. Okay, so then we got to know, we got a question in the chat here. So are you a Cubs or a White Sox fan for baseball? I'm a Cubbies guy. Yes. All right, you'll fit in. You'll fit in on this show. Perfect. (laughs) You're you're surrounded by Cubs fans, so. Now, I I do think the the Sox have some cool-looking gear. I was, when they were, they first went to black and white back in the day, that that was like the coolest thing. Seeing Frank Thomas's big ass wearing black and white was badass. <laughs> yeah, I like the I like their logo, the one with like the the bat and the socks above. Yes, it. yes, yes, that was cool. That's definitely cool. So you were trained by Al Snow. What was that like? To how did that how did that come about? And what was it like being trained by him? Well, Al finished up my training. I'd been down to Smoky Mountain, then I moved to Lyme, Ohio, um, to really get like that secondary level of training. And and Al is a uh, He's a wrestling genius. Like he knows so much about this business. And he like, if you can't learn from Al Snow, that's a you problem. So I just, I just sat under his learning tree and took in a lot of as much knowledge as I could. And that helped me build the, the foundation of what my career would become. Very cool. 
I got a, I got one for you, Dilo. You've done a lot of tag team wrestling. Uh, who was your favorite tag team partner? Uh, that's a that's a toss up between um, Mark Henry in WWE and Barry Buchanan because we teamed up in Japan forever and had great success over there. So, uh, but those two, there's is that's one in one A, and you know it'd be unfair to rank one above the other. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Somebody we, we, in the chat wants to know when you're going to uh, give Fat Mike a frog splash. <laughs> Dude, when the world opens up and I can get back to Chicago, I'll jump off of something. That's uh, awesome. I was thinking right. that. <laughs> uh, right so, yeah. now, Dilo, who, have you, who is a wrestler, either any brand right now, that you've kind of enjoyed watching over the last few years? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'll have to... to to fly the impact banner. I'm a big fan of like Rich Swan, Eddie Edwards and Moose guys like that, who have, who've really done some, some great stuff. I'm a huge fan of like Deanna Perrazzo right now. Like I think she is just a very solid wrestler. Like she could wrestle with anybody and she wouldn't seem out of place. Um, if I'm looking at different companies, um, I heard you guys speaking about Seth Rollins earlier. He's, he's been, He's always been a really solid wrestler. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Randy Orton guy. So those are kind of the guys I like. Awesome. Yeah, I think this might be one of Randy's best roads right now in his career. He's The Fiend, the Fiend story is one of the better stories that WWE has told in a long time. And time. watching Randy evolve from, you know, the early days and evolution mm-hmm. legend killer. I think this is his best stuff since probably the early on legend killer stuff. Yeah. I think he's the most sound right now because what he is, is he has enough knowledge and enough experience now. And he's still young enough where he can pull the stuff off and he still looks good out there. And he's got that, that he's a seasoned vet now with the tools of his body and he's he's in his best form right now. If I remember right, when you first got to TNA, you were did you you teamed with AJ Styles, correct? Yes, we did. What was it like? You know, because he was you know he's one of those guys that everybody just talks about what a great in ring worker he is. And I feel like when he was at TNA, he was really at the top of his game. What do you think the difference between back then being with you know the TNA version of AJ Styles and today's version in WWE? Well, I, I think the, the TNA version of AJ Styles was a lot of aerial and flippity-flop where now AJ is using ring psychology and, and, and mat-based wrestling, but he's still the same phenomenal athlete, pardon the pun. Right. Um, but he used it in different ways now. So instead of doing nine or ten huge things, he saves the huge things for the right moment to use them when they mean the most and had the most impact. And that's the difference between AJ Styles of then and today. Very cool. Okay, very cool. Uh, we've got a question here in the chat, D'Lo. Who was the most technically sound wrestler that you faced in the WWE, oh, WWF at the time? That's easy. Owen Hart. Owen Hart by far Owen was the, the best wrestler I've ever, ever been in the ring with. Owen could have a five-star match while telling you a story and a joke at the same time and playing a rib on you. Like he was just that good. <laughs> and he'd do it in front of 20,000 people. Like there was nothing. Uh, Owen was just that good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He was, 
he was definitely one of my favorites to watch. And, you know, there, there were so many good workers back then, but like you said, some of them just really, you just notice something special when they're out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the matches with like Owen and Brett, those, those two, man, when they were in the ring, it was magic. Well, just, just think those are the matches they had in the dungeon when they were, you know, when they were kids, right. They were doing with nobody watching. So now you put them in front of a crowd and they know each other that well. Boom. I got a question for you, D'Lo. So AEW has kind of been doing this thing where they're breaking down the, the, the wall, as it, as you would, mm-hmm. between companies. Do you think that's a good or bad thing for wrestling? I think it's a good thing for wrestling because it, it gives you these dream matchups. Like, when did you ever think you'd see Kenny Omega wrestle Rick Swan? You know, when did you, you know, you think you see the, the Good Brothers on AEW TV beating everybody up? And, and it just, it lends the possibilities of what's next. Who's going to be that next star to cross over? Um, when did you ever think you'd see a show where New Japan, AEW, and Impact were all represented on the same two-hour block? Like, that never happened. So I think for the, I think the winner in this is not only the companies that are working together, but it's the fan bases of the collective wrestling organizations that get to see these stars they never thought would be in their ring competing. So it's, it's win-win for me. Awesome. I got a question for you. So you held the, we talked about it a little bit earlier when you first came on, you held the intercontinental and the European title at the same time. You're only, you, I'm sure you're aware of this, but you're one of only four people to ever do that. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle, and RVD being the other three. What is it like to be one of only four to do something like that? Um, in this world of wrestling, when it's been around for so long and has so much history, when you can be part of a select few to have done something, um, it lets you know how special it is and you hold it in high regard because, you know, not only being the first year continental champion, but only being one of four, you know, and that's something that probably, they probably won't bring the European title back. So there's not going to be more added to this fraternity. It, it, it makes it very special to be part of that. Yeah, it's definitely something, you know, it's, I've been watching wrestling my whole life and it's, you see so many things that are done by so many people. And, you know, the, the, for a while I thought, okay, there's only going to be one grand slam. And then now you see, there's a couple others, like you said, with, but the European title most likely never being reared to be one of only four that, like you said, will probably go down in history as only being four is really something that stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it helps you learn about where your place is in the history of wrestling. And I'm, I'm fortunate to be in the breath of some of the great ones, like you said, Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle and, and RVD. And, you know, my name is spoken along with them, and that, that's pretty cool. So with WrestleMania being this week, what's what's one of your favorite memories of a WrestleMania week? And what was it like that buildup of WrestleMania week getting to that, you know, the, the biggest spectacle of the year? Man, WrestleMania season is so different than anything else. You you feel the intensity turn up on every TV show you do, every Monday Night Raw. You you feel the intensity turn up every time you go to a house show. Um Every day you get closer, guys and girls are, are getting their A game up. So, and the competition is so fierce, you got to go produce. And then when you finally step out there on, on the grandest stage of them all, it's it is oh, it, it's hard to put in words. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about walking out. Um, 
and my favorite WrestleMania memory is, is easy. Um, it's WrestleMania 13 in Chicago. Um, what I got, I got doomsday device by the road warriors, but in Chicago, <laughs> I got doomsday device by the road warriors. Right. That's pretty freaking awesome. It doesn't get any more Chicago than that. No. <laughs> so I, yeah, that was pretty awesome. So that's my greatest WrestleMania memory. I mean, I've had tons, but your first is always your best. Okay, these guys are going to hate me for this, but I want to see oh, boy. Here here we go. one minute. We what apologize we... already, D'Lo. Okay. We apologize. <laughs> All right, D'Lo, what do you think the Bears are going to do with that 20th pick in the draft this year? Um, what I think they're going to do is mess it up. What I hope they do is draft O-line. <laughs> I, I, I think if you're going to go with the statue of the red rifle Andy Dalton back there, then you need some big hog mollies up front to protect them. So I, I hope they go O line, O line, O line. Um, if you're if you're gonna just if you're gonna play the two year game, then don't waste draft capital. Start building an O line and start searching for a quality quarterback either this year or next year. And if you have to go with next year, then have an O line where a rookie can step in and be protected back there. I got one more for you, D'Lo. I'm glad we asked that Bears question as much as it annoys me. But I've always been curious, where did the head shake start? Okay, it's a combination of two things. So Chris Tucker from Friday, you remember when Debo punched the dude for his bike and Chris Tucker went, you got knocked the... Right, yeah. <laughs> That's the side-to-side motion. And then if you remember, there's a defensive back for the San Francisco 49ers named Merton Hanks. The, yeah, the chicken. Okay. And when he would do, when he picked six, he would do that chicken. The chicken, game. yeah. It's a combination of those two. That's, That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Very nice. All right. I had well, seen. Do you guys got some more questions? No, I mean, I was just going to say, I had seen, you know, doing research of the show, I'd seen an interview with you, and you were talking about that, and you were talking about the first time you did it. Uh, I forget which wrestler you did it to after uh, it was, somebody hit it. It was Ken Shamrock. Yeah, Ken well, Shamrock hit him. You guys were in the locker room watching it, and you said you went back in the curtain, and you didn't know what Vince was going to say and you thought you were going to get fined. <laughs> I thought you would get fined because I, I said the F word on national TV, and that's usually a you know a $10,000 fine. And I was like, oh, God. My first thought was, oh, my God, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So now you've you've switched, you know, you've switched to a producer and um, commentary role. So what is what's the difference in not only just the preparation, but the what goes into what you do now versus preparing, you know, every night of the year to go out and wrestle to now be as a somebody teaching younger guys the the art of it. Well, you know, when it's just when you're out wrestling, it's just your match. You're only worried about you and 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 your part in the show. When it comes to agenting or commentary, I have to know the whole show. I've got to know every match. I've got to know every storyline. I've got to know every wrestler and what they do and what they like to do and what they like to do. So it's I have to literally research the entire show before I go broadcast it. Um, and then on the backside of teaching, it is helping that person um, evolve as a character and as a wrestler. And that's you know that's where my two cents come in and, and give them some of the benefit of my, uh, my experience. That's awesome. I do. You, do you guys have any questions? I, I'm nerding out. I got a couple more, but I don't want to steal all the questions. <laughs> no, go ahead, Vince. I know you were. I, I know uh, you and I talked earlier about how we were nerding out for this show. So go ahead. I'll let yeah, you. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of cool guests, and I've gotten excited. But like the whole build up today 
Like I told my fiance like four times, I was like, babe, D'Lo Brown's coming on tonight. <laughs> D'Lo Brown. <laughs> so I was just wondering, you know, um, if you had, I know obviously you, you got to go your TNA way, your impact ways, but what, if you could pick two guys today that are wrestling today from any brand to see a match between, which two would it be and why? Wow, that's tough. That is tough. Um, there's so many good wrestlers out there across across the board. There's so many good wrestlers. I mean, I I, mean, I, I would go with like fantasy matchups. Like I'd like to see like Okada versus Randy Orton, or you know, let's say Moose versus Tanahashi. You know, got things like that, like crazy things that you would never normally see. I'd, you know, I'd like to see the Good Brothers take on um, FTR. Oh, you know? that would be good. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like. I, I just like these dream matchups that will probably never happen, but in my mind, they're pretty damn good matches. Yeah, that would be really cool. I, that Man, that tag match would be awesome. That'd I think be it'd dope. be fire. I think it'd be fire. Absolutely. So, and the only question I got, uh, we, you know, obviously we're coming up on WrestleMania here over the weekend. What's the one match or two matches that you're really looking forward to the most? Ugh, I, I'm just looking forward to all of it, like taking the whole spectacle in. Um like that's this is the culmination of the year, and for the for for the next two days, you're gonna watch the, you know, some of the best talent out there go and put it on display. And I'm just happy wrestling is back in front of people a little bit now. So I just want every I wish everyone success and go out there and kill it. And you know, I'll be I'll be paying attention to the Sasha Banks match. Um, I think that's gonna be fire. I'm gonna be paying attention to everything Randy Orton does. You know. Um, I was paying attention to the whole thing. Cool. Very cool. Absolutely. We want to take take a second just to say thank you for joining us, D'Lo. We do really appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to jump on here with us. It was great having you on. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, bear down. Whether yeah, hurts, bear whether down. You know, speaking bear of down. bear down, we do a uh, – during football season, we do a football talk show every Sunday <laughs> – We'd love to have you on for that. You know what? If, if, if I will, let's just hope the Bears are bad because I'll drop in and rip them. <laughs> nice. I look forward to that. Absolutely. I look forward yeah. to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, d man, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it was, it was awesome. My like pleasure. It was, you on today. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely definitely one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. Guys, thank, like I said, thank you for having me on. And if you need me again, I'll be back on anytime. Thank you awesome. so much. Thanks, d Appreciate thank you guys. So thank much, you. D-Lo. Take care. Woo! Man, I could have kept talking for like two more hours. I know, I know. Man, you were fanning know out. Guys, it's okay though. It's okay. Out a little bit. I was. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Dude, D-Lo, So I remember a couple ma- when D'Lo would always come out. His theme song was one of my favorites. Yeah. You're looking at the real deal now, mm-hmm. dude. Just it was so awesome. He just lived that persona when he would walk to the ring. Yeah, he had the swag. He'd get well, in there, the that, that record cut right at the beginning. Yep. Oh, yeah. Dude. I just I actually just watched because uh, I, I I have Peacock, so I just watched. He did a match against Triple H where they had to put the bags on their heads. Yeah. Oh man. I I could watch old school WWE all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was wild. Yeah. It, man, that was so cool. Like I've watched wrestling. I grew up watching wrestling with my dad and my uncle. 
since I was like three years old. I had every every pay-per-view. And back then there was no WWE network. You know, you had to buy every pay-per-view for 30, 50 bucks. We bought every single one of them. I had every single one of them on VHS. As I got older, we, you know, had them transferred over to DVD and then we kept I bought every single one. I didn't miss man, it is just I had to I had to fan out a little bit on that. I, I'm kind of bummed because like I got a lag on my end over here and I know I do. So like I didn't want to ask too many questions because I didn't want it to like and then not get up. Like right now, I think I'm lagged out. The good thing is the audio's not. We can hear you. It's just kind of froze a little bit. Oh, so I mean, right. So I didn't know if the audio was still working. I had other questions I wanted to ask him, but I didn't want to be like that yeah, guy to keep asking questions. Questions because I, I knew I, you had some I, questions I, too. I, yeah, I was gonna ask him. You know, a couple. Uh, Who's was it for the nation? Right. Um, you know how he felt when Kofi won the title. How he feels right. about actually having the title right now. Yeah, you know, uh, but that, you know, I, I just didn't know if I was lagging too much to to do that. So, but you hey, know, we get caught up. Maybe with, we get him on again. Yeah, you know, we get caught up. We get so excited. Sometimes we lose track of some of the questions. I was going to ask him. You know, he's won world championships on other levels before getting to WWF mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I was going to ask him. You know, what what does he hold? Which title most meant the most to him? Yeah. Did it mean more to be the guy, the world champion at one of those lower? you know, levels that he was at before Brands. he reached right. the WF? Or right. was it being, you know, the Euro Continental Champion, holy bolt at the same time, at the highest? Because then, when he did it, WWF was it. It was it was the number one. So it was like to hold those titles yeah. at the same time at WWF, did that mean more to him? Right, so, and back and- then it was just basically WCW and WWF. Right. So when you were in the WWF, that was the that was the place everybody strived to get to, and to get yeah. there and hold two titles, you know, that probably was pretty significant for him. Yeah, I was gonna, and then I was gonna ask about the you know the vice president of the Aces and Eights with Bully Ray and you yeah, know, all that, that was stuff. that was a good storyline too. Yeah, it was. That great. was one of my favorite times in TNA. Yeah, absolutely. So, so but him and Matt Stryker do a great job on the. The commentary and it's crazy to think that his day you know going through the shows where he's producing like he said starting the day going over the whole show before he even goes out to do commentary so it's it's oh, definitely man that was easily one of my favorite interviews we've done so far oh he was a terrific guest very open i liked his take on the bears as much as you guys Wanted to strictly keep it WrestleMania. He's a diehard Bears fan, and it was good talking Bears. It was, you know, and it's always, it always is cool for us when you get a, a guest like that who obviously we brought him on for WrestleMania. But then when he's able to talk about the Bears, not only just as a fan, but able to talk about it in a very high football IQ. What's up, Mike? <laughs> a high football IQ and I hear him talk about the Bears and articulate it in such a way that you almost forget that you're talking to a guy you brought on for wrestling questions and as a wrestling yeah. guest because he speaks so well about football because he's such a big Bear fan. Oh, absolutely. Vince, and you, know, Fat, you know Fat Mike likes him because they, they do the same thing. They both, they'd rather talk bad about the Bears than anything. I told you. Well, my internet connection is trash. Yeah. You Mike was Mike was literally just messaging me and being like, "You guys cut the interview short." I cut it short because my internet was.
garbage. My connection right now is garbage. <laughs> I feel bad that we cut it short, but I didn't want to keep being like. Blah, blah, blah. Well, and then you said that I was like, man, am I hogging too many questions? Did I? I used up too much time. <laughs> no, no, it was a good interview, and maybe we'll bring him back on down the road. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. definitely. I would love to have him on the Talking Football Show. Yeah, you, that'd well, be oh, sweet. Absolutely. Yeah, we were just talking to. We were just. <laughs> We were just talking about that, Tarbone, about how well he speaks about the Bears and yeah. football and, you know, in general. And like he said, you know, the Bears are now what we used to make fun of Cleveland and Jacksonville and all those teams. Now we're we're envious of those teams. We're envious of the Cincinnati's and the Cleveland's and the Jacksonville's. Even though they're picking 1-5 and, you know, 18 or whatever, 25, whatever they're, those are still the teams that you're afraid or that you wish that the Bears could be. Yeah, absolutely. So. Who was uh, – Tarbell, who was D'Lo brought to us by? D'Lo was brought to us by our guys over at Nick and Ivy Brewing Company out in Lockport. Let's take a quick second and play plug. a clip for them. <laughs> Get a plug king. That's right. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend. Or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. And we're back. That was a quick word from our guys, Nick and Ivy, out there in Lockport. If you're in the area, as always, stop out and try a fresh brew from them. You won't be disappointed. Especially, I might I might suggest stopping out April 18th around okay. 4 p.m. maybe. That sounds like a great, like, oh. really good time to stop on by. Right. That's because we have a live show there on the 18th at 4 p.m. So make sure you guys stop out. If you were at our previous uh, live show on location, you know, we had some good raffles, a lot of fun talk. Fred and, and Dave were with us. It was a good time. So make sure you come on out. Uh, anybody up in Wisconsin that wants a ride, hop in my car. I'll take you with me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what a Angela great. Angelo wants to use the carpool lane. What a great. Like. What a great, you know, week this has been with 1252, man. For you real. Guys, you guys had that amazing show Wednesday with Pat Boyle. He was, man, I could listen to Pat Boyle talk sports for hours. You know, the way he talks hockey, football, everything. He just knows it all. Mm-hmm. And then followed up with, come on, Devin Hester? Like, that's. <laughs> yeah, you he, you fangirled hard for D'Lo. That's how Mike was for Hester when he was on. If you watch that interview back, I Mike did. is like all over the place. He's raising his hands. He's having a blast. <laughs> uh, oh, it was. Uh, think about it. What go go back to watching the Bears in the Super Bowl and Devin Hester return that kick for a touchdown. Did you think you know? However many years later, you'd be interviewing. No, him, you know, having an interview with him. Fifteen-year-old like me was losing my mind when that was happening man that shit's crazy to think that you had that kind of show on wednesday and then we followed up on friday we got d-lo brown the night before wrestlemania 
you know, we got the live show coming up. We got the new shows coming. Yeah, Fred and and, and, and uh, Grabstein and Schuster, they got their show. It's. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say this, man. When Mike and I first started twelve fifty two, I know this is Mike's baby. Twelve fifty two was his name. He picked it. But like we kind of birthed it together. I was in the room while he was pushing, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, You're holding his legs. That's right, right. Yeah, I was above the equator, not below. Oh, it, but okay. I was, <laughs> I was in the room while he was pushing. But like I remember telling people, hey, the twelve fifty two brand is gonna go fast, and for sure, <laughs> for sure, that's exactly what's happening. If you think about this last month, it's just been wild, right? And it's only gonna get better. Next week, we have uh, some new shows coming on. I think Jim McMahon's joining Mike and I on Wednesday. You guys got your show on Friday. I got a sport court episode coming up, hitting on some pretty serious topics. It's just, it's crazy right now. But I don't want to take all the focus off of why we did this show tonight and why I'm here. We got about 15 minutes left. Let's push in as much WrestleMania card as we can. And just go down the list and see who's going to win. What do you think? I'm in. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Let me get my phone. Let me get the list. That was me. That wasn't a sound effect. All right. All right. So we talked about, before D-Look, we talked about the uh, tag team turmoil match. Who do you you guys have winning? Uh, The Riot Squad, Lana and Naomi, uh, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose, or Natalia and Tamina. Mm, I I'd like to see the Riot Squad win, but I think it's gonna be Natalia and Naomi. WWE likes to do that nostalgia thing yeah. at WrestleMania times. I could see that being the winner too of that mm-hmm. match. Yeah. Uh, Cesaro versus Rollins. Rollins. Cesaro. I think. I would love Cesaro to win. I would, but love, I, th- I would love Cesaro to win. Me well. too. But I think to keep Seth's character progressing, yeah, you can't he's going to have to win. Losing at WrestleMania. Right, right. All right. So then uh, we have this stupid match Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. I already know who's going to win right. this match. It's, it's going to be Bad Bunny and right. Damian Priest because WWE never makes a celebrity that comes on loose. And you know, and it kind of like I get it, but it sucks that you know cuz I think Damian Priest is a good worker. Yeah. I liked him at NXT. He had a lot yeah. of potential. And they really they brought him up. They made this big deal about him being brought up. He looked great at the Royal Rumble and then they just nosedived his yeah. momentum. Dude, that's what they do with everybody they bring up yeah. from NXT. <laughs> like everybody. oh man, my favorite not to get too sidetracked. My favorite is Alistair Black. Yeah, he was so what a waste. Cool. Such a cool character. Yep. And everybody was like, "Oh, maybe you pair him with the fiend. Maybe you pair him with him." And it's like, can we just see him? Yeah, like can we just see him once? Like, where did yeah. he go? Then they got him doing stupid tag team match. Like, right. whatever. It was it was right. dead. Right. They do that all the time, though. That's because Vince yeah. doesn't know what he's doing. Right. But Bad Bunny and Damian Priest are going to win that match. Hopefully, after that match, maybe Damian Priest can start branching off by himself, which would be cool to One see. One hope. Uh, so then we also have the steel cage match, Braun versus Braun Strowman versus Shay McMahon. Yeah. I, go, go ahead, ahead Tarbell. No, no, no. Go ahead, Tarbell. I would like to see it be Shane McMahon just out of a nostalgic purpose because I remember watching him, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, however long ago it's been when he first 
decided to come into the ring. And just for that purpose, you know, I would love to see him take this W. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But the fanboy inside me would like to see that happen. L- let me tell you, I, fanboy inside me wants to see him win too. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Braun Strowman. No. Uh, they had their chance with him too. They and blew they, it. Same yep. thing. Yep, they blew it. You know, so at this point, I want Shane to, to make him look as dumb as they can and to come out on top. That, that's not what I think is going to happen. No, Braun's, Braun's right. going to win the match. Well, actually, Shane to- might win. Braun might throw Shane right through the, the that, cage. So they, Yeah, because they like to recycle things. Right, they did that with like Vince. Paul White and Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah. Cold, Cell. Yeah. You know, like you guys talking about Shane, I remember being there, I forget what pay-per-view it was at Allstate Arena when he jumped off the – the 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 Titan Tron or the Rafter, he he was hanging on the Rafter, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and then jumped when, off when he was tag teaming with Test. Yep, you know, and Test right onto uh, who was it? The Big Show. Yeah, and he fell yep. elbow drop onto the Big yep. Show from you know the, the Rafters. Dude, that you know? dude did some crazy shit. Yeah, you know, some you oh, know absolutely. he's gonna do something crazy off the cage. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know he's gonna do something, and I'm gonna love it. All right, so then you got the tag team championship match: New Day versus AJ Styles and his bodyguard. I don't know how to say the bodyguard's name, so I don't even want to give it a shot. Almost. Almost. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to sound stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so who do you think is going to take that one? I think the New Day is going to win just because I don't know that the guy's first match, they're going to put a title on him. But if anybody was going to have that happen, it's going to be AJ Styles' partner because AJ's a guy that could he could wrestle a mop and have a great match. Like, yeah, that's just true. such a great worker in the ring. That if any they're going to trust anybody, it's going to be him to have it. And who knows? I know they said that almost has been at the performance center, working out, training, going through the you know training sessions on how to be a better in ring wrestler. Mm-hmm. Who knows what we're going to see? But I just you know I think they're going to leave him on the new day. What about you, Tarbell? Yeah, I do have to agree with Vince on this one. I just with the way the storyline's progressing there, I. I don't see it going any other way. I think, I think the new day, the titles on the new day is an always old news. Yeah, it definitely um, is. So I think it's just like the Diesel and HBK mm-hmm. storyline. That's the first thing I thought of when I seen those two pairing. Yeah, I think they're gonna have Styles and and him win. I would love um, that. I mean, I would absolutely love. That. I love AJ Styles, one of my favorites, and I'm not a big New Day fan. I like Kofi. I'm not a big Xavier Woods fan. Um, I'm glad to see Big E is finally getting some mainstream yeah. singles momentum. Uh, you know, but like you said, they they tend to do nostalgic. Maybe we turn back the clock and do a new new school HBK and Diesel. But yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. So you know, maybe maybe he gets in there and he looks great. All right, so then we got the SmackDown Women's Championship match: Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. I'll go first. I want my girl Sasha to win. I don't think she's going to. I think this is going to be like a passing of the torch type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think she's yeah. going to lose the title to Bianca. That's just me. I'm very much on the same road as you here. I'm a huge Sasha Banks fan. I think she's great in the ring. She has been in a lot of a lot of tough matches where she was with people that weren't quite at that level, and she carried them. Um, but I think they've been building Bianca Belair since Royal Rumble of last year. Yep. They made her have that great performance at Royal Rumble, the good year, and then followed up by winning the women's Royal Rumble. I just, I mean, yeah, we've talked about WD does it, but I just don't see any point doing build for a year and a half and then just, oh, well, you're going to lose at WrestleMania. Right, right, right. 
Uh, The last one on night one is the uh, WWE Championship match. Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Tarbo, you want to go first? Go ahead, Vince. Go ahead. All right, this one, I... I don't, I don't know who I want to win, and I don't know who I think is gonna. Well, I think Bobby Lashley is gonna win. I just, you know, they they're calling him the Almighty Champion. They've never done that with anybody. I always thought it'd be like the heavyweight champion, the Almighty Bobby Lashley. Now all of a sudden, it's he's the Almighty World Heavyweight Champion, Bobby Lashley. I, and the, the new entrance and everything. I feel like they put too much into him to take the title off him so fast. Um, but same thing with Drew McIntyre. He was built up, you know, they had him, they, he was basically the guy that slayed right. Brock Lesnar and did all this. It could be one of those matches that they like to throw a curveball and somebody comes out and ruins the match or does something and maybe something goes that way. I, I don't really know how that match is going to play out, but I can't see them wanting to tarnish either one of those guys. Yeah. And, and that's the hard part with that match, right, is you've got to keep both uh, – character arcs progressing so to speak and a loss for either one would be somewhat detrimental one has to think so. right I, I completely agree with you tarbill uh it it's gonna be interesting um i'm kind of wondering if one of two things are gonna happen i have a buddy justin who he thinks that that brock lesnar might come back at wrestlemania and attack drew that's and what drew, i think he's gonna and happen. drew won't be able to compete so then you'll get Lashley versus Lesnar. And if that happens, Lesnar's going to win. Um, but I also could see the WWE being like, well, we had McIntyre win it last year. There were no fans. Right. Let's let him win it this year when we do have some fans so he can get that full experience of what it's like to be the WWE champion in front of people. Let the fans enjoy it because McIntyre's career has been – you know, up and down. So I think it would be a good payoff for everybody. However, it'd be the same, you know, Lashley's career has been the same thing. That's, that's very you know, true. And now he's finally at this WrestleMania moment where he's headlining and you take the title off from the first time. I, I do. Part of me really does think that Brock Lesnar could come out during this match. Maybe he comes out and lays them both out. Yeah. And the match is a no contest. That, you know, that could be possible too. You no, know, because they, they said he's been ready to go. They just have been waiting for fans. Right. They weren't going to bring him out when there was no fans. Yeah, absolutely okay. not. It's a waste. Okay. So now you've got 25,000 fans. It's WrestleMania. You didn't get to see him last year for WrestleMania because there was no fans. Maybe, you know, Vince is always up to, he's always got cards up his sleeves. You know, maybe that's what he does. Maybe he pays Brock and he brings it back. And That big ratings pull, right? Yeah, and that's where they go. All right, so on to night two. Which, first off, let me tell you, the fact that WrestleMania is two nights to me is stupid. I loved the Sunday was the WrestleMania day. I know that WrestleMania went seven hours one right. year. But right. there were a lot of matches that you could do without in that seven-hour span. I'll, I'll save that for a different day. Right. Uh, so night two, the one match is uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. I... I think Kevin Owens is going to win. So He's I. the face in that scenario. Nobody really likes Sami Zayn. No. Unless this whole Logan Paul thing. Right, exactly. Which I think is completely stupid. I know, again, it's a ratings grab. It's a ratings but, grab. It's a name mainstream media grab. And right. Of time. Right. Yeah. It, I, and they, so, they got to do something with Kevin Owens. Right, which they, they have buried that guy. Again, another NXT guy right. who's coming to the main roster, had a small push, and that was it. Right. <sighs> Frustrating. Um, 
so the United States uh, United States Championship match, Matt Riddle versus Sheamus. That I think has the potential to be a really good match. I do too. Oh, Who absolutely. do you see winning that one, Vince? I think they're on a they're on a kick with Riddle. I think he he's the he makes the most sense. I think if they were going to push Sheamus, it would be at a world title picture, not the U.S. title. I think that's you know there was obviously that was why they took it off Bobby Lashley in the first place, right? Um, you know, and then now this new thing with the new character of Riddle. I guess a new character, but the way they're they're handling him. You know, two weeks ago they had him forget his line talking to Asuka. And then they come out, you know, they always got the behind the scenes guys. And somebody come out during the week and said that he didn't actually forget his line. That was how it was written. That the new way they're doing it is WWE is accepting. And they're, his character is going to be that major pothead that is high all the time. And forgets. Yeah, the, the recycled RVD recycled, type of thing. So right? What they took yeah. the title off RVD for. When RVD finally won the title, they took it off for him. Now they're going to turn Riddle into that. Yeah, you know it's amazing <laughs> what happens ten years later. I know. It's but crazy. Um, you know, I just think they're. I just think Riddle's their guy that they're building around. How about you, Tarbell? Yeah, I do understand what you're saying, Vince. But again, kind of the fanboy in me would like to see that one go the other way. Just uh, see a good old brogue kick from Sheamus. Take Riddle's head off. Oh, nice! Absolutely. That would be sweet. That- <laughs> I loved watching that happen, and I would love to see it happen on the biggest stage here at WrestleMania. Especially that WrestleMania, we did it to Daniel Bryan. He beat him in like 30 seconds. Yeah, Daniel oh, Bryan yeah. was kissing. Hey, uh, kiss from AJ Lee. Yeah, that boom, yeah. turned around, lost the title. <laughs> that was wild. Um, so, yeah, the for next nostalgic one. reason, I think Sheamus, but I understand your point, Vince. I am I kind of bummed that they brought the Mohawk back on Sheamus. I'm yeah. not a big fan. I wasn't yeah. a fan of that before. No, me neither. Uh, so the women's tag team title for uh, it's Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus to be determined, which right. the winner of that tag team turmoil match is supposed to face them. So, so can I make a prediction here? Absolutely. That's what well, this is for. I don't know where it's going to happen. If it's night one or if it's night two after somebody's already won the turmoil. But my bold prediction here is that Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, return and win the women's tag team titles together together bro that really? would be that is wild how that how is a wild prediction though yeah it'd be epic but you really think ronda uh, rousey would team up with becky lynch the woman who beat both, her at wrestlemania off to have babies right. and do different things you're going to ease them back into it how, what bigger pop is there than to have those two not only come back but then win the tag titles and it could be you see Nia Dex and Shayna. They don't like each other. They don't get along. You know, I, maybe maybe it's that and it turns into a singles match down the road or something. I could see this being a scenario where both of them come back. One comes back night one. One comes one back comes night back two. That's the other alternative. Right. I think okay. that with the SmackDown title, I think since Seth is on SmackDown now. Correct. They'll have Becky come Becky out be after the winner. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then night two. That was originally what I thought all day. Right? Yeah. Becky's going to come back after the SmackDown Women's Championship match and you not challenge her tonight, but like make it known that she's that she wants her title back. But then we got into this. I got really excited and I went for the bold prediction and I changed it to that they were going to win the women's tag (laughs) match. Yo, if you're if you're right, I'm going to be like in shock, complete (laughs) shock. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, all right, so we don't really care about the women's tag team title match because we don't know the right. fatal four way. That'd be cool. Um, let's see. 
I want to save my favorite match for last. Yeah. So we'll do the Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental Championship, Big E versus Apollo Crews. And listen, I'm not laughing because of it being a Nigerian drum fight. I'm laughing because WWE does this with almost every single ethnic character that they have. Every single ethnic character they have. Any Mexican is... It's got this thick accent and this and that. You yeah, can never just have <laughs> right. You can never just have a, a Hispanic wrestler who's just a Hispanic wrestler right. who's good. You know, it, just like this this Kofi King or this uh, Apollo Cruz right. thing. Like, I get it. It's like cool to have him embrace his culture and that. Yeah, but the thing is so stupid. They did that with Kofi. Yeah, he was from Ghana and yeah. all this, and then all of a sudden it was like, just kidding. He's from New York. And, yeah. he talks, and he talks regular. Yep. They did the opposite now yeah. with Apollo Cruz. Yep. Apollo Cruz has been around. It's not like he debuted as that. Right. Like he's been around, right. and then all of a sudden now he's got the African accent. He said, "Oh well, I just started to embrace it now." Uh, they did it with Lana too. She had the Russian accent, and then all yep. of a sudden it was like everybody saw her on that the uh, Total Divas, yeah, right? and they no were like, accent. "Oh, she speaks English." Yeah. So now she speaks English. Right. It's like, well, now she speaks like a in between Russian and English. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I hope Biggie wins. I'm really glad to see him getting the, the singles push. I think he's a future world champion. I think they keep the title on him. What do you think, Tybill? I do have to agree on that one. It just makes the most sense to keep it with Biggie. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I don't think Apollo Cruz is anybody to ride home about. Right. I don't think the WWE has any plans for him in the future. No. So why would you take the title right. off of Biggie? Especially at Mania. Right. Um, we, we so got a then here, we got a comment here saying a stone cold comeback. Man, so I there was talks of stone cold coming back at one point, but that was to face CM Punk. Right. And I don't think yeah. that's going to happen at this point. You might see him come out and stun or somebody right. because they got the, uh, the stone cold podcast thing right after WrestleMania. Right. So you might see him come out. Or is that going to be a huge podcast with Chris Dude. Jericho? Yeah, we I don't have we don't have enough time to talk about that. No, how no, crazy that shit is. Um, so, do you want to do the triple threat match or the Fiend Randy Orton match first? Let, let's save the Fiend for last. All right, so we'll do the triple threat match: Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan versus Edge. I personally, I think it's only one of two guys. I think it's either Roman Reigns or Edge. I agree. I love the character that Roman Reigns has right now. Yes, I've been wanting him to turn heel forever. It might right. as well. Everybody booed him anyway. Right. You might as well have embraced it. So here's the thing. If Roman loses the title, does that tarnish his character? I mean, everybody loses the title at some point. Right. He's had it for a long time. I feel like people might be ready for a change. I also feel like they're trying to hold out till they can get the rock to come back and fight him, mm-hmm. you know, with the family and everything. But, you know, maybe that's not for the title. So maybe Edge wins it. I, I don't know. You know, is Edge really up for a title run? You know, it's one thing to come back; it's a whole other thing to to hold the title. So we'll, I mean, it's been what ten years, right? I mean, since, we'll, he, re- since he had retired, it could go either way. I, I honestly, I could see either of those two winning. I think it's Edge. I I think you bring a guy like that back and uh, the archetype that he has. I enjoyed watching him wrestle before you know obviously with the injury he had to step away for a while i'd love to love to see him 
get the win there. I will say this: whoever wins that match, I think they beat Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I don't think if Roman loses, he's not getting. We'll take the loss. Right? No way. That would that would ruin his character. Right? Because if if Roman if Daniel Bryan gets pinned, then Roman could still be like, "Well, I never lost the title." Blah 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 blah. So it's a good way. That's the first thing I thought of when they threw him in the match was that's who's going to lose. Right. Um, I think. Nostalgia purposes. I loved Edge, the rated R superstar. And he's probably it that way. Right. He's probably my top five, maybe seven, top seven favorite wrestlers of yeah. all time. I could see them giving him the title at WrestleMania. Like I said, WWE likes that nostalgia in front of fans again. I could definitely see them going with Edge. And I could see Vince doing that as uh, your, when you left, you had the title. Right. You know, yeah. you left because you're neck. You're back now for everything you did for us. I'm Here's going to title back to you at Mania. All right. Now, the best storyline going into really any wrestling yeah, any, match any this year, I think, is Randy Orton versus The Fiend. I love how they've been able to play this whole thing out for a long time. It's been... What six months, eight months? Yeah. The storyline has been going on, it's which in WWE today insane. you don't see that anymore. Right. No. I love the fact that they did that. I think the only logical thing to do is to have the Fiend win. Randy Orton is at the top, but the Fiend, Bray Wyatt's characters always have a way of losing, mm-hmm. which kind of pushes them back down, makes right. them less serious. At yep. this point, the Fiend is as hot as he's going to get. You can't bury him by having him lose to Randy Orton. Right, and the whole, the whole thing behind the Fiend is, you know, circum, you know, getting rid of all the demons that were Bray Wyatt that he faced, and losing at Mania is one of them. Now, and in, I do agree. I think uh, the Fiend wins. And if there's anybody in wrestling today that's bulletproof, it's Randy Orton. Randy Orton can lose, and it won't touch him a thing, especially in this storyline because right. nobody. Nobody even feels like this is real. You know, everybody's just, uh, they're so caught on with the the gimmick and the storyline that they forget that, oh, Randy Orton lost, big deal. But I also, and I don't don't know this to be true, but I read a report that the fiend that returned is not Bray Wyatt, or it won't be Bray Wyatt. Bo Dallas will be dressed as the new fiend and the old fiend will return or Bray Wyatt will return and they will be in the ring at the same time with Randy Orton because Bo Dallas, for those who don't know, is Bray Wyatt's brother. And right. right. They look so much alike that they said that's why this fiend looks a little bit skinnier. He did look skinnier. He did because it's yeah. actually Bo Dallas. Right. And they're going to, in WrestleMania, you're going to have Bo Dallas dressed as the new fiend and the old fiend or the original Bray Wyatt back in some sort of capacity. So, so does this tumble back into a recycled storyline with Undertaker Kane type of thing? <laughs> yeah, but this would be so much better. It would be cool. Yeah. But like so much better. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Billy Gunn, Gun that's Club. my guy. Billy Gunn. He's, He's an AEW. Club, he won't be coming AW. back anytime soon. But uh well that's that's the whole card, boys. Man, this was Man. dope. This was a good show. I feel like I wish we would have just done like a WrestleMania show. Yeah. And then like a, a Turtles talk show. We could have if WWE didn't have to spread WrestleMania out over three nights. They got right. the, the WrestleMania yeah. pre show edition yeah. of SmackDown. Yep. And then you got Saturday and Sunday. So they kind of, you know, forced everybody's hands. But I think 
this was a great show. We covered yeah. a lot of stuff. Long we had show. Chicago sports. We covered all that. We didn't rush anything. We had D'Lo Brown on. He was awesome. Isaac Yang. I wish Mike would come on and do the head shake. That's it. He's been coming He's on. He's been doing it the week. whole time. But, you know, no, I mean, it was a great show. Angelo, man, we could have done this show. There it is. Yeah, there it is. D'Lo Mike, we'll call him. We could not have done this show without you. Um, I know my internet sucked, boys, but nah, I think it's kind of so better right now, which is, is nice. It is perfect right now. Yeah. But no, we appreciate it, man. It was great. Tarble, as always, you're always phenomenal co-host. This show was out of this world. This show keeps getting better and better yep. every week. Um, I appreciate all you guys that have been on it. It was my yeah, pleasure to come on, too. man. You guys helped me out with my show. And giving it to us. Alan, all the work he does behind the scenes. Man, if obviously everybody's watches knows about 1252, but if you don't, Man, you better learn because 1252 is taken off in a big way. Yep. Facebook, so everybody Twitter, come out, Instagram. Make sure you, right. Make sure you come out to that live show at Nick and Ivy Brewing. That show is going to be off the chain on the 18th. Um, that's all I got. Tarbo, yeah. you want to take us home? Oh, absolutely. Just want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Again, uh, we appreciate you joining us here. And we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Nick and Ivy Brewing out there in Lockport, as well as the John Durin team over at the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. You guys are awesome. Thank you, and have a good night. Real quick, Levine dropped 39 points at half. Woo! So we so can end this half. Now. Yeah, at half. Have a good night, guys. Woo! That's what's up.